I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hey y'all, welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and talk about the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am hunkered down against the snow in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line, possibly similarly hunkered down in the satellite branch in scenic Hamilton, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hello! Hello! (laughs) Well, me, she never kicks it off more often like that <laughs> seems like a very on-brand greeting for her it seems very rosemary in time to me i don't know but friends <coughs> as caitlin yeah. dies this is episode 232 of the geek down podcast if you would like to go back and listen to any of our other 231 episodes swing on over wherever you get your audio content be it spotify apple google stitcher what have you give us a follow or subscribe maybe a rate and review Four or five stars, thumbs up. Henceforth, new episodes of this program will be delivered to your device by a man who cares not for cold. In fact, he thrives in it. Delivering episodes atop the back of a rainbow maned alicorn named Philip. It is your man's. Chauncey Frostilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. The Frostilicus is for Frost Elf. <laughs> Are you going to back me up at all today? <laughs> well, I. You have a groove, and sometimes if I interrupt, you're like, Caitlin. And so I was like, I'm just going to step away. Come for um, the banter, Caitlin. Okay, we'll, we'll banter along. Um, I don't think I are going to, do they really, um, you know, have these groupings of elves? I'm pretty sure part of his whole thing was he was bringing elf kind together against really? the oppressor. I tend to go by the Elder Scrolls version of the Myrrh. Where there okay. are different types, frost elves, dark elves, okay. wood elves. Yeah. But I feel like we don't have to, we don't have to split it. <laughs> Fun fact, they elf. actually They're are taking, they guy. actually are taking the notion of races out of games like that. I've seen lately. Well, we had that D&D discussion that one time. Did we? Yes, we the, did. Is that back when the Patreon existed? <laughs> no, I think it was only a couple months ago. Are you okay? <laughs> time, time is a flat circle, y'all. It's been really. Um, just don't look at the time knife, okay? <laughs> y'all, if <laughs> friends, if you would like to re- help me remember what day it is, you can go on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Just give me like a one word response. <laughs> so Jordan knows, like legitimately, at Major Canadian Retailer, like none of us ever know what day it is anymore. This is very strange for me because what I deal in is time and dates and scheduling partially for my job. Mm. So I always know what date is. Though, do you think I can write 2021 on any document (laughs) the first time around? Nope. It's only been two months and I'm still writing 2020. Or uh, the other day I wrote 2001. So we know where I'm at. You know what? Sure. Hey, it was better than y'all. Who would have ever thought we'd be saying that now uh friends if you would like to support this never financially patreon is dead long live patreon but if you want to throw us three dollars at your leisure you can go over to ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod throw a little something in the old tip jar there let us know you're thinking of us did we ever decide whether it's kofi is it kofi coffee 
cafe. I assume the whole thing is like buy them buy uh, buy us a coffee. So I'm okay. they're playing on coffee, but they probably can't get coffee.com cuz it's probably been taken forever, so that's what they <laughs> that's what the branding geniuses over there came up with. Do they wear do they wear hipster glasses and beanies? Uh it's very possible. You would probably think they were a barista if you saw them on the street. I scared myself the other day because mm. I happened to be wearing a beanie-type hat and my glasses, oh, and no. I was about to go out of the house, and I saw myself in the mirror, and I went, oh, God. <laughs> with, and then I took my glasses off quickly. Sorry, glasses with chain or without? Without, no, you can't do that. It, there's no chain going on with the scarf and right. the hat and, and the hair. Like, it just cannot happen. And I can't put my hair up with a hat on. Right. It's not something I'm able to do. I forgot um, I forgot about glasses chain. Sometimes uh, in, in the wee hours, I, uh, you know, well, as I continue to process the trauma of 2020, I, like, go through my entire Instagram story from, like, the calendar year and... <laughs> There's definitely a photo in there of you showing off your uh, your glasses chain. <laughs> and I was like, right. Well, I mean, I, ha- I have three. So three? Was it? When did we get up to three? Well, I had two that I inherited from my grandmother. Right. Um, which started this whole thing. And then I saw this really cute one at the Dollarama. And so I purchased it. It was early days of the pandemic, okay? I was buying anything I could. Listen, and we still are. The Guardian? Shut up. Nobody yeah, wants to you, hear it. You need to go fuck yourself. <laughs> I am sorry. Buying shit is the only relief I've got. I can't be on Facebook. Can't be on Twitter. Can't look at the news. Can't be on YouTube. Where else am I going to go? The old uh, targeted Google news feeder wanted to slap a story, recent story from The Guardian in front of my face about the uh, perils of emotional purchasing. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> the only peril is I'm not doing it enough, friendo. Okay, so that article, which you sent me, and I was like, yeah, they can take a long walk off of a short pier. Eat dicks. And and the second story I saw, and I just, I nearly threw my laptop across the room, was the generation wars between millennials. I have not gone past, I have not gone past the headline on any of these, but I feel like they're, I feel like the trend of, uh. Gen Zers roasting millennials on TikTok started a few months ago. I feel like I saw bits of this a few months ago, and it might be uh might be heating yeah, up and, again. Yeah, and and so it they their their thing their article was everybody hates millennials. <laughs> <sighs> you sorry, take sorry, Kate. My goddamn generational label out of your goddamn fucking mouth. I will kick your face in. <laughs> We don't care if people hate us because we hate everyone. Join the party. You know what? Anyone who starts hating on us, you're a millennial now. Congratulations. Adulting. This is stupid. It's no one. It's stupid. They are. They are going crazy. They have no more news. Oh, they're Trump. Yes. It, there's no Trump. They're like things are. They're trying to get better. That no one has done anything for months, so they're like, "Let's dig the bottom of the barrel." Well, Congrats, Kate. Somebody did something. Segway. I got a que- <laughs> I got a question for you, Kate McKinnon. Okay, hit me. If you had a role on one of the most profitable and lucrative franchises in modern history, that would just pay you dump trucks of money. 
financially securing you and your children for the rest of your life. Would you take that or your freedom? Obviously, I would take the the first one because uh, I don't really care about freedom. Well, <laughs> no, I just want to pay my bills. Mandalorian star Gia Carano chose her freedom. Uh, friends, we haven't talked about this much, even though it has been going on for months. Uh, Gia Carano, actress and former MMA who uh, played Cara Dune on The Mandalorian and seemed primed to move on to her own spinoff. What the hell? Marshals of the Outer Rim or whatever the hell it was going to One of those Mando spinoffs um, yeah. she was supposed to be a part of. Rangers? Rangers? Something like that. Marshall, yeah, Marshall Rangers. I gotta look at him now. Okay, continue. She was probably going to end up on that for a smooth couple seasons in a more center role than the, you know, supporting appearances she had in season one and two of The Mandalorian. But Gia Carano is a Republican and an outspoken Republican and has for months now taken to Twitter to say all the dumb shit that we think smart people and the things we like would not say about election fraud and stolen elections and things like that. And people, meaning people, also Lucasfilm, can kind of, you know, put the blinders up until you compare being a Republican to being in the Holocaust. That's about the point. People lose patience. Um, she got shit canned from the Mandalorian. Her representation dropped her, but she's going to be okay, Kate, because she's taken all her freedom and she's going to go make a movie with Ben Shapiro. What a cool guy you are. The war on cancel culture continues. This is just some solid grade A lean ground B fuckery. We haven't had, we used to go in on fuckery all the time, but I feel like we didn't get some real good prime fuckery. To really sink our teeth into this is thank you, Miss Carano. This is just I, top shelf. My my dream is to be in a cameo appearance in Star Wars or Star Trek. Like that is so the fact that you got like a speaking role that turned into then like a badass role that then possibly was going to have you be at the center of a series. Like I don't even you're. Dumb. I don't even think the Judds were complaining about her that much, were they? I, I don't As know. a woman in I, Star Wars, well, like I honestly, I have you known. I've like withdrawn. I've become a weird <laughs> like whole person where I live in my cave and just throw old cans at children who are trying to bother me. Um, I don't know. I hadn't heard much. I'd heard mostly that she was a cool character. Um. And that people were fine. Like, she's also, it was nice to see, like, a lady soldier who was beefed up. Yeah. Who had arms that could actually punch a hole through someone. You know? That was nice. There were things about the character that were great. When this all started, um, the the problem, and again, it wasn't just that that is what she said. It was also she was talking about the election being stolen. She was an anti-masker. Like, right. I forgot about the anti-masking stuff. Right. Yeah. Like there, there are dangerous things. And at that point I was like, what are you doing? Star <laughs> Wars and Disney? Like, why is she not gone? She is promoting 
dangerous beliefs, not uh, beliefs that we are opposed to. And the role, the role you have given her is boosting her platform. Yes. Um, and that's, that's a huge problem. Uh, the biggest problem. Um, so I, I, am I actually surprised it took so long? No, people like to drag their feet on this. Uh, as you said, I'm a freedom. I, I, um, feel, I feel like there's even been some retrospecticus uh, rumor mongering now that like she was not at the D20 press conference when they announced all this shit. I don't even know that the character was really mentioned. There were no details about that show given. I remember when we talked about it, we just kind of like, I assume that's about her. Um so people are now kind of like tinfoil hatting that like maybe she was already the writing was on the wall at that point and they were just waiting for a more uh you know easy for her easy to do target. something else because it was a, yeah, obviously people like that habitual line steppers right it's a matter of time like yeah <laughs> they, they drop the h word and then it's not line stepping it's it's flagrantly not caring about people that's what it is and and a willingness to not understand people as well. My freedom. Like just yeah, my freedom. Just to be like, yeah, you have the freedom to be an asshole, and we have the freedom to fire you for being an asshole. That's how it works. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. And this is this is a constantly infuriating to me that people are like, um, I'm allowed to say whatever I want. That's my freedom. It's like, yeah, you are, but there are repercussions. You're not free from repercussions. The marketplace of ideas will decide, friendo. Yeah, you're free from being prosecuted, unless, of course, it's hate speech. Um, and But even then, basically for the last four years, it's been a pass. <laughs> Anyways, I just, oh, my head, oh, punching. I wish I had bee farms. I'd punch through <laughs> your stupid face. Keila McKinnon, Bee Farms 2021. <laughs> Man, I always wish I'm, I'm stronger all the time. I don't even care about losing weight. I just want to beef up. I want to be able to lift, like, a huge bag of cement. <laughs> These are my goals in life, folks. Have kids, maybe have a house one day, have arms that can lift cement. Kate wants to get fucking gold. <laughs> I do. Gonk. Uh, anyways, fun story, fun news. Fun story, fun news. Uh, other item of note. I am still uncertain if this is a, uh, I don't think it's a cancellation. I think they are choosing to bow out, but the news dropped that uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine will be ending after the next season, which. I mean, I know you're relieved. I'm not. Re- listen, I'm not. Re- I hate Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't hate Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think anything that goes that long and goes through the elements of change that come with that, it's going to, you hit a point after like season four or five, you hit diminishing returns. It just can't be what it was. I just found out that fucking America Ferrera is like leaving Superstore. And I'm like, well, guess I'm done with Superstore. Like (laughs) it already seemed interesting as notions about police reform and defunding the police and just the hero narrative that, police in general have played in all of our lives that we've become more conscientious of that over the years. I know there have been statements by cast and producers that like, yes, we are going to attempt to reckon with that a bit. And maybe part of the reckoning was like, you know what? We made our money. We're getting our syndication checks. Peace out. We lasted longer than we were supposed to. Everybody should become a private eye. 
<laughs> Defund the police. Refund privatize. Right? Why are there not more privatized? Kate, how you feel about uh, how you feel about that new Law and Order with Maloney coming back? Uh, I don't care. God, shots to Maloney. I, I don't care. I I don't care about the characters. They're from SVU. I don't care. You know, every time every time I think every time I think I got her, I got something she's interested in. She just she zips and zags on me. I just it's not for me. It's not SVU was. It's really hard because it was a lot of it. I think the first the first season was rough. Second, like they just they yeah, went it's into all, the, it's all sexual assault and child abuse. Like it, it's it's disaster porn, right? Yeah. Like, and that I'm not there from that. I'm there for them doing the detective work, using forensics, figuring out who did it, and then the prosecution side, which is where things can really fall apart um, or come together or you know, that has its own side of the investigation as well. Um, looking at, you know, you need your your motive, you need uh, alibi. Like, there's just all these parts to it that I like. Moving parts, that's what I like. Um, and now the good thing that SVU did was showed how hard it could be to prosecute for sexual assault. Um, it was really, really interesting and in how hard a time victims had um, recovering um, they showed really rough edges of things, and that can be really good. But I didn't like the two main characters. Um, so I know ben, everyone loves Benson, but I'm Caitlin, just like, yeah. There are many things I will let you say on this program that are potentially hurtful <laughs> and upsetting to me. Okay. You will not come for Harkaday. <laughs> I'm Caitlin? not coming for her. I'm not coming for her. She's fine. I was never connected with the character. You know what I also don't like? You're in the posse, and they did this, <laughs> and, and, and this is what they, they, they did this to her in the first season, and it's a huge trope. As I'm pretty sure first season, she was trying to figure out who her, her mother's killer was. Oh, word. <laughs> I actually know nothing yeah. about the show or the character. And that, that to me is just like either every, every woman who's a cop is either her father was a cop or she's trying to figure out who killed one of her relatives. And I'm like, what about just to, like, you know, serve and protect and shit? What if she was trying to find out who killed her father who was a cop? Or that. I'm sure, I'm positive that's one of the shows. That's not, that's not okay, um, though? No. But that, see, this, this trope will actually come up again when oh. we talk about updates. Oh, well. Um, Let's get but anyways, uh, yeah, I'd rather just regular Law & Order come back and they bring back some of the old cast. That's what I would like <laughs> Dig up, Dick Wolf, get at me. Dig up Jerry Orbach. <laughs> give me a DH CGI Jerry Orbach and put him in everything. No, no, that man deserves his rest. He fought with cancer for like ten years, like oh. the whole time he was doing Law and Order. Like that man is a legend. Respect to the God. He's part of the posse, though, as a ghost. <laughs> ghost posse. Um, <laughs> one last bit of fuckery before we move on to updates. I just want. I just. I need to shout it out. <laughs> So we talked last week about Maki Ito. Yes. The, the, the queen of love and piss. Um, and her getting her shot in the upcoming uh, women's number one contender tournament for all elite wrestling. We have never mentioned on this show a man named Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette is a one-time promoter, managed the Rock and Roll Express in the 80s. He was a commentator in the WWF back in the like early 90s. 
he's done work with Ring of Honor over the years. He's a historian. And a, his brand now is just being exceptionally profane and complaining about wrestling in a somewhat amusing manner. But he crosses, he's very anti, especially, I don't know if he's anti all women's wrestling, but just like, he he would call himself a traditionalist. Uh, the rest of us would call him... I don't want to say misogynist because I don't think he hates women. He just thinks men are clearly superior. So that would make him sexist, right? Like, uh, uh, No, it's a misogyny. Party pooper. He just does not like fun. He hates all elite wrestling. He hates... <laughs> he does not like fun. He he hates fun. That is what he his problem is. He hates Kenny Omega. Um, oh, well, he, that for, speaks for itself. He hates Kenny Omega. Hates the Young Bucks. Like, the Young Bucks called themselves, called their autobiography Killing the Business, because that's basically what Cornette has been saying about them for years. And Corny made the mistake <laughs> of coming for Mackie. Because um, he saw the, um, I think he may have seen the I am the, uh, I'm the queen of love and piss tweet. And he retweeted it. With some, like, oh, Twinkle Toes, meaning Kenny Omega. It's his, like, shot at his, it's his homophobic shot at uh, Kenny's footwork. I don't know enough about the mechanics of wrestling to judge another wrestler's footwork, but Cornette apparently thinks he does. You know, Twinkle Toes putting another one of his fetish, getting a job to another one of his fetishes, blah, blah, blah. It's like, she better be, a, she better call herself the deity of shit, because that's all that's going to come of this type of thing. <laughs> Within seconds, Maki Ito takes a promotional image it's not a great promotional image. It's like her covered in chocolate topless. It's not great, <laughs> um, but whatever. And post that image with all caps. I am the day. I'm the deity of shit. <laughs> Dude, don't come for Mackie Edo. Like, actually, I thought it was a great promotional shot. Oh yeah. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. I was like, you go girl. Like you cover yourself in chocolate. Don't troll a troll. Like, <laughs> She will eat you alive. And the comments on Twitter have just been fucking fantastic as everybody's just like, oh, there's a phrase where in wrestling, so pro wrestling is a work, meaning a fake fight. A shoot is a real fight or a real thing. Work is fake. Real is shoot. Um, And the phrase for getting so irrational about something that's like designed to make you irrational is called working yourself into a shoot. Ah. <laughs> just watching Twitter just be like, Mackie working Cornette into a shoot is like the content we need in 2021. <laughs> so just further proving, like, she's going to be so over, Kate. I cannot wait for, like, her to, like, get some eyeballs on her when this when this tournament starts. Bless her heart. Kate. Yeah. As is tradition, we will save one division till the end of your updates, but what else you got? Um, so I finished Lupin. Oh. Um, well, that last episode of the <laughs> I'm just, first part. I'm just so used to, like, things never, <laughs> there for both of us, <laughs> there never being any follow-up that, like. <laughs> oh. Um, well, it is, tis the year of completing things. <laughs> 2021, that is what, you know what, it's the year of, oh, happy belated Lunar New Year to everyone. I know yes. it's a two-week festival usually, but it is the year of the Ox. Um, so 
with that in mind, you know, steadfastness, completing <laughs> things, even though that fucking rat, rat bastard jumped off your back and got there first. Um, stupid 2020. Uh, 2021, the year of steadfastness and completing things, also television. Um, so, yes, I finished Lupin. Um, I really like that his character is... Uh, he's a good guy, but not a great guy. Yeah. Really, like he, really, really opened up his shittiness in the, uh, in the fifth yeah, episode. He, he has been disappointing. He has disappointed her again and again and again. And hurt. this is his ex-wife hurt her really badly. Also, he's also, I got to ask for, yeah, I got to ask for point of clarity. That wasn't, was that Pellegrini's kid or was that just a random yeah. white lady? I couldn't tell. No, no, no. That was Pellegrini's kid. Okay. Yeah. So he was smashing her on the low for. Yeah, which I'm guessing is to get information and that kind of thing, but Possibly. also, also he's obviously attracted to her. Um, which also puts things into sort of a weird perspective. Anyway, uh, so and that was great, and seeing his son, you know, be like, "That's not cool," but then like go to the festival and get the top hat out and be <laughs> like, "It's fine here because I don't look like a moron." I thought that was very sweet. Um, and they left it a great cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm interested in the next part. His character is very complex, which is lovely. Um, and yeah, so that's good. Watch Lupin if you're okay with subtitles and you want a, a good show. Um, I start, okay. I finished Rosemary in Time. It only had three seasons. And the reason it only has three seasons is bullshit, basically, because the English summer is so short. They had a really short filming season. <laughs> and so... Caitlin, they're gardeners. you got to film when the sun's out. Well, they, but they also had them go to places like they were in Spain in one episode and, and southern France in another. And they could have done stuff like for them in Greenhouse or have a Christmas episode or like... They could have worked it out. But anyways, because of weird things that happened, they basically just were like, uh, I think we're going to finish the show, which is bullshit because it is a great show. Um, so I did all of Rosemary in time. Uh, I was desperately looking for something. So I started a bunch of things and didn't even get through the first 10 minutes. Um, I went through like all of the police and... Um, police and i i would say mystery procedurals on like acorn and um which has quite a few and uh the uh brit box and just whatever amazon and netflix had to offer and i've either seen them all or it has that thing which i would mention before where it's this person's child disappears or their father dies or they become a police officer because they're, you know, no one's ever been able to solve the murder of their mother or sister or like, I, I don't care about people. I care. I care about people once I start getting to know them, but out the gate, I just want you to like show me bodies in you know, several levels of decay, figure things out, and find the bad guy. And then you start putting in the people stuff. So I started a show that I, it's been going on for a million years called Silent Witness. Who's Silent in Silent Witness being the why body. Is that, why is that familiar? 
Oh, it's been on for a bazillion years on the UK. But again, my problem is, is not only do they tell me too much about the characters in the show, they're also telling me about like the characters that are impacted by what's going on. I don't care. I don't care. I want you to show me like the forensics and the police work. Um, so it's fine, but I, I've skipped a bunch of episodes because it's like this person's connection to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope. Um, then finally, I, I tried to watch this show called uh, Rust Valley. Rust Valley. So this is a show I don't know when it came out, when they filmed it, probably pretty recently. It's about a place. Uh, I don't know if it's on the Alberta side or the BC side, but basically before the Grand Canyon, so I guess it must be Alberta, before the Grand Canyon um, and where the, right after the sort of desert, there's this place called Rust Valley where there are tons of abandoned muscle cars and all kinds of different older cars. And the air, the dry air of the desert basically preserves them. They don't get a lot of rust. I mean, they do get some, but these cars are basically well-preserved. It's about this guy who... Started his own construction business. Oh, this is on Netflix, isn't it? Didn't this just hit, didn't this just hit Netflix? Yeah. I, I don't know if it just hit or if I'm just coming to it now. It may have just hit, though. Um, but it's made very much like a TLC or a Discovery show, mm. like like The Biggest Catch or Drivers Who Go Up Icy Mountains. Like, I don't know what that show's <laughs> called. But it's, but it's, you know, stylized in that way. Um, and this man, if you ever want to know what the sickness is that Jordan talks about. The main character of the show, I can't remember his name. He's this weird old guy with dreads, with like gray dreads. I don't like where this um, is going, everyone. You know, he has the sickness for old cars. Like he'll go to sell a car and he will come back and have purchased like two <laughs> other rusted out cars that he's going to fix. And his son is like having a meltdown because basically what this guy's done, he had his own construction business. He's made a bunch of money. He's put in two, like invested $2 million into starting up his own car refurbishment garage, uh, which they called the Rust Bros. Um, and so he takes either cars that he already, most of the cars that he already has on his lot, but he has a problem. He doesn't want to sell anything. He gets too attached to the cars. He lowball like lowballs for work. So they're trying to be like, how are we going to keep this place afloat? <laughs> while this man, who's a really nice guy, but has the sickness, and he knows like everything about cars. He knows that like the '71 and this didn't have this bar, but this one does. Like the man is an encyclopedia of of muscle car and like older car knowledge that is all really fascinating but because it's like a tlc-ish discovery type show they literally every third clip is one of the guys being like i don't know if we're gonna make this thing stay afloat or if he can't sell something we're not gonna be able to keep the business going like Every other clip. And that's where you so, would cut to commercial and then come back to commercial and the last two yeah, minutes before be like, the commercial would play he, again? It, yes, exactly. So it drove me nuts. I was like, I'm going to punch everybody. By the end of it, they've got to a point where like, I, don't, I mean, I didn't watch the second episode, but they got to a point where they were like, I think we're going to be okay. But we'll see what like, I'm going to watch the second episode because the actual 
cars. I love the information about cars. I love the refurbishment of stuff, of old things. I think it's amazing. It's fascinating. Um, and the characters are, they're really, like, guy guys. Like, one of them, like, farts and everyone laughs. Like, it's very, it's, uh, I hate to say, like, a show for guys, but it's a show for guys. Um, but the other, the actual car stuff's really fascinating. And I hope they can sort of leave behind that dialogue of like, like, you know, it's the, it's the no stakes stakes. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I don't want this guy to go out of business, but they could say it like once. I mean, like, these are the problems and show that this guy has a problem giving up cars, selling cars, selling parts for cars because he thinks he's going to need it one day. <clears throat> Who's that like? Um, so, yeah, it's but it was fat. A, fascinating for lots of different reasons um so yeah i might i probably will watch a second episode see if they get into their group rule of three right get into their group mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that's it that's what i watched time to talk about wandavision y'all um this is going to be meandering on my part and as is often the case this was predicated by a recent episode of the chris and andy show where they talked about things that kind of Bounced off of Kate's annoyance last week with the take economy and just the million tweets and think pieces that always have to come out before every episode or after every episode of WandaVision or any Marvel thing or any, any fandom driving property. And then kind of is now kind of dovetailing into my thing. And you're going to be their friends. You're, you're longtime listeners. You're going to be like, oh, George is going to shit on Marvel again. No. Well, yes, but no. Um, <laughs> Great. Because, first and foremost, I fantastically assembled and produced episode of the show. So well done, I didn't even notice when the commercial came in. When the commercial came in, I was like, right, this is the point where a commercial would come in. It didn't even occur to me at the time that, like, oh, right, that's how well it was done. So kudos to them for the care and the work that they are putting into this show. It is immaculately put together. Now, Chris and Andy were talking on their show this week, and I don't know that I would go this far, but they have used the phrase repeatedly that they feel nothing. When they watch WandaVision. And they say this as people who like WandaVision. They feel nothing. And I started thinking about whether or not I feel nothing when I watch WandaVision. And what's the point of WandaVision? And why are we here? And are we just feasting on nothing burgers? Because I don't know. When you come away from an episode of WandaVision, do you care anymore about Wanda or the Vision? I care about Catherine Hahn. And we are like weeks late on putting... Catherine Hahn in every posse, by the way. <laughs> she's in my posse. She's in Caitlin's posse. She's in the overall posse of the universe. Like, Catherine Hahn is just just MVP of everything and has you been for some time. You know what I about Catherine Hahn? Hmm. She has crawled her fucking way up the ladder. Right? She is just... She was that chick forever. Yeah. She was that... Oh, her. That's what she yeah. was for years. Catherine Hahn was, oh yeah, her. You know who she like, was. I can't even. I cannot even tell you what I've seen her in because I've seen her in so, so much. many things, right? Um, and listen, 
the scene in this week's episode of Her and Vision, A fucking plus. Creepy as hell. I care about her. I don't care about Wanda because ultimately, if the show was doing what the show purported to be doing, which was to be about a woman processing her trauma, maybe I would care about Wanda. But that's not what the show's about. The show is just using Wanda as like this MacGuffin to bring mutants or multiverses or whatever else into the Marvel U, which is fine. I'm not even going to shit on that. But I have... I'm realizing I have no emotional attachment to anything that's happening because as it's long been the case with Marvel, everything it does is meant to feed into something else. And we can talk about the thing that we're going to talk about in the back half of the show and what we, what we did or didn't like about it. But like that was a thing and it was new and it dropped me in there and now it's gone, you know? Yeah. And I definitely care more about bubs <laughs> from space sweepers than I do about Wanda Maximoff. So it's like the show exists precisely to fuel the take economy that you hate. Okay. I, so I totally disagree about that. I, but I'm waiting. Uh, Okay. Go disagree with it. Go ahead. No, I completely disagree with that because it's not, it's like, yeah, they did it week to week, but they did week to week for the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian did not. Yes. It had some of this, but not to this extent. I think people are just like, they, again, there's nothing to write about. And this sets up a lot of mysteries. Whereas the Mandalorian had like, okay, this is the next episode. And you kind of wondered what would happen, but they had this sort of like, um, bow on the end of an episode, right? It was, what are they doing this week? How, what is the new clue this week? Or where have they gone this week? Whereas WandaVision is, there's tons of mysteries. There's still tons of stuff to, to clean up and to, and it used to, television used to be like that in some cases, but we're not used to that anymore. So people are having a mental breakdown um, about what's going on. Um, I think it's harder because Wanda is both a victim and the victimizer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people would have, it'd be different if she was just in pain, but the manifestation of her pain has put others into pain. And, you know, Pietro kind of talks about that. He says, he says, I think what you've done is the most humanitarian way to do it. And listen, thought that was a great line. The tossed off line about, listen, I'd never seen Evan Peters. I did not watch those X-Men movies. So I did, I thought his costume was ridiculous. I always heard he was the better Quicksilver. Quicksilver was not really a character I ever really wrote or died for to begin with. So the mm-hmm. best Quicksilver was like, I, I don't know, the, the best all-natural peanut butter. Like, it's, it's going to be fine, but it's not, <laughs> it's not great. It's not my preference. Um, yeah. But I don't know if he was this version. I don't know how much – I don't know if he's vamping for the, like, tropes of 90 sitcoms or if he would, that was kind of his vibe in the movies as well. But I love everything he's been doing and that tossed off line about, like, the way you're playing the ethical considerations of involving children is pretty, like, such like a tossed off line. But true, there have been no kids around and now suddenly there are kids because it's a family thing. And juxtapose that with Vision walking out of town and realizing that the people who are not at the center of wherever Wanda is are just frozen because the camera isn't on them. Yeah. Um, I liked all and that there- stuff, but... And and there, when Vision was being pulled apart, I felt that I was horrified. Eh, he's um, be it's fine. also hard. 
it's also hard because he's a machine, right? Like there are other things going on and yeah, it's called WandaVision, but it does feed into other things. Um, there are other characters who are being affected. I desperately want to know who this, if it is Reed Richards, whoever this, you know, aerospace engineer that they're going to talk to is. Um, but I, I, I just disagree. I, I'm really invested. I haven't been looking at the take, like, you know me, I haven't been reading those pieces. I haven't been being fueled by it. I have my own, like, I really want to know what this mystery is. I really want to see how this gets solved. Um, I care about the, you know, it's hard because you don't grow up with the kids, right? <laughs> they grow up for you. Um, but there is this idea that they are their own beings and I desperately don't want anything to happen to them. But I also want these people to be safe. But I think that's part of the challenge is, again, Wanda is the victim and the victimizer, we think, right? So uh, that is, it's hard to make a connection with someone when you're like, they're kind of the bad guy. I don't, I don't know. And I feel like maybe just being, growing up on comics maybe has ruined me, maybe will always ruin me for MCU type shit. Because I went to comics for this for so long and comics could just kind of do their own thing and sometimes by and large be left alone to weird effect (laughs) adam warlock i'm looking at you (laughs) um and now to bring this style of storytelling into like you know television and movies where it's just constantly eating itself like it just kind of fatigues me always has and i'm feeling that fatigue again despite it being like so well made although i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt there's still what three episodes left four episodes left something like that yeah why did she choose sitcoms we've been having a great time going through all these sitcoms why'd she even do it well probably because that that was the tv she was exposed to from america i don't want to say probably i want you should have told me by now (laughs) pietro and wanda could have mentioned that like well, maybe, but there's a lot to get into an episode. Also, these episodes are not long enough. I know that's weird to say because usually we're like, yeah, half an hour, woo. But I'm like, there was a lot to cover, and I want more. And that was a long, also, that was a longer episode too. Yeah, I know. I feel like when you get when it'll, I've, I envy. You know what? The people who are like, I'm just going to wait till it all comes out. You made a smart decision. I don't know. Just feels like empty calories to me, Kate. I'm having a great, I'm having a wrong. great, I'm having a great time when I eat a box of cookies, but yeah, it tastes fucking delicious. <laughs> then, then when um, it's done, I'm not, like, well, <laughs> but not all TV can be like a three course meal presented by Jean-Pierre. Like I, I'm having fun with this. There is nothing that is not fun with this. I think you just want too much. This oh, is your God. problem. <laughs> it's going to be the culture again, though. It's going to be the fucking culture again. I don't know what, what culture. What are you talking about? Everything that was special about Marvel is ultimately going to be stripped away. What are you talking about? You've always been like, blah, Marvel. Blah, too much. Blah, Marvel. Well, yes. It's like fucking wrestling. Like, nothing ever changes. The thing that gave it value was because Tony Stark died. And if you think that... It's like Vince calling up The Undertaker and being like, we need you for WrestleMania. You're like, Feige's going to call up John Downey one day and be like, we need you for a flashback in the multiversal Spider-Man. And he's going to say, okay, that's cool the first time. And people will lose their mind. I'll be sitting here talking about y'all get excited for way too much again. (laughs) 
And then he's going to call him back again and again. And Evans is going to come back. And none of that shit from Endgame is going to matter anymore. Remember when you had all these problems with Steven Universe because of the fan base. And then you watched it. And you're like, it's good. Did I finish it? Well, no, but that's your problem. (laughs) Again. You have a lot of problems. I've I've never denied it. Nope. But I'm not wrong about WandaVision. It's good, but it's empty. <sighs> equally empty, but equally good for me. You know what happens when you start researching Mackie Ito to talk about on the show, Kate? You learn all about Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, the promotion Ooh. she works at, she works for. I'm really taken, I won't talk about this too long, but I'm just, there's a, I don't, sorry, friend, I can't shout you out, but there's one dude who has really gone in on, like, summarizing the characters and the wrestlers and the promotion itself on YouTube in English. And it's very easy to do wrestling. Well, sometimes it's so easy. You forget when you're watching all the, like when you're being sports entertained by like the WWE and stuff. Like he broke down this one character, Yuka Sakazaki. I've seen her on AEW. She's had some appearances, her whole story for the longest time. She was one of the first people to join the promotion And she could never beat the ace, the first champ. I think her name was Miyu. Could never beat her. But could beat the people who beat Miyu. So, like, she would fight Miyu for the belt. Couldn't beat Miyu for the belt. Miyu would face somebody else and lose. And lose the belt. And then Yuka would take the belt off of that person. So she could always beat the people who Miyu lost to, but could never beat Miyu herself. So then every time her and Miyu would wrestle, it had this, you know weight to it and they told this story over like three years it ain't that hard y'all <laughs> that's one that's one detail about a person that's all you need to know about her she can't beat Miu. cool so now every time she fights Miu, there's like an emotional investment there it ain't that hard and that shit happens like all the time i did not know really how much mackie just loses like that's her jam she just loses all the time but she's but so she keeps- nuts <laughs> She keeps going at it. Right? She's so nuts. She had a match with Miyu that was kind of incredible for, like, her skill level. And at the end of it, it was like she gave the finger to Miyu, and Miyu, like, gave her the fist bump and walked away. Like, you know, she got the cosign from the ace. I don't need that much to be sports entertained, people. Also, give them um, health care. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you're doing in Japan, but definitely. Vince, you're about to have record-breaking profits again. Give them health care. Um, what else? So I got real highfalutin recently. Someone cute, I know this is going to be a thing with me and someone cute going forward. Um, someone cute is a very big movie person. Okay. Loves movies. Kate, how does your man feel about movies? Uh, hard to say. Depends on the movie, really. Depends on the movie. Generally kind of indifferent. I don't know why I have the cognitive dissonance where I would rather watch like three hours of, you know, a sitcom than a two-hour movie. I don't know what it is about me where I'm just like, oh, it's going to take so long. But uh, last time I was hanging out with someone cute, we watched The Trial of the Chicago 7. Spoiler alert. Cops have always been shitty. Uh, This was a Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin, written and directed movie about the uh, riots surrounding the Democratic Convention in 1968 in Chicago. And features Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman, which was a interesting depiction. And uh, also really clued me into the fact that Mark Rylance is just a fantastic actor. It's, it's Sir David Mark Rylance. Oh, he's Waters. a sir. Good, yeah. good for him. Uh, he's a great ass actor and did a good job in that movie. And that movie's on Netflix and you can watch it for free. Other things on Netflix. 
I said you can watch it for free because I just assume you're all using your parents' <laughs> login like I am. Uh, also on Netflix, so many documentaries. Um, I watched a documentary on Studio 54 a couple weeks ago that I never brought up on the show, which was fine. The story of disco is actually very interesting to me for people think it's a joke, but actually the, like the homophobia and racism it engendered in like middle America was really crazy. And if you've never read about the disco sucks, uh, riots essentially, um, I don't know if it was at Shea stadium or Wrigley field or where it was at, but definitely read up on that. It was really gross. And studio 54 was kind of nuts. Yeah, no, it was totally nuts (laughs) as a, as a thing. Um, I did not realize how, how Broadway they tried to make it in the production with like, they hired Broadway lighting, like no clubs had like lighting guys and like they had set design (laughs) built into the club. It was pretty, pretty insane. Uh, that's also on Netflix. Also on Netflix, I heard good things about it. Someone, someone cute was very, very much about it. And I'm sure I, I was sure I was going to enjoy it. Pretend it's a city, the Fran Lebowitz docuseries. Uh, produced and directed by Scorsese. Uh, Fran Leibovitz is a, how do you describe her job? She's a writer, I guess, what they would call a humorist. Uh, it, probably an earlier version of David Sedaris. I feel like she was at this sort of thing earlier. Um, and is very good friends with Martin Scorsese, who is delighted by her. <laughs> he is. <laughs> And this docuseries is just basically, they just kind of like pick a subject and it's just, it's just like hanging out. Imagine you like got invited to a party with like Martin Scorsese and Fran Lebowitz and you just kind of hung out and listened to them talk. Like they're smart. They're funny. They say interesting things. I'm only a couple episodes in. I basically just kind of rolled over after I watched the, uh, the thing we're talking about. And then I was talking to someone cute about, yeah, I'm watching Fran Lebowitz. And she's like, oh, I'm watching this documentary on Joan Didion. I'm like, there's a documentary on Joan Didion? <laughs> And I quickly changed course and fell asleep before I could finish it. But The Center Will Not Hold is on Netflix's documentary about Joan, the writer Joan, and essayist Joan Didion, who is just a different time, Kate. Like, it was a time where you could be in New York and put in two-line ad in a paper when you're thinking about moving to California, being like, writer and wife require home, $300 a month, and somebody will give you one. Good times. What a time that was. Although... Listen, Didion's a fucking icon. I think, I think that photo of her like <laughs> smoking with her sunglasses on, leaning on a Camaro, should be like in every library in North America. <laughs> Bless her heart. Uh, and the year of magical thinking is one of the saddest books I've ever read. So you can definitely check those out. One last sorry, uh. sorry. Wonder you think WandaVision is hollow? Think about the things you watched up against it. <laughs> Listen, I need my vegetables too. I'm just saying, there's a place for dessert in Listen, our lives. Don't don't let not not to like bridge and dovetail all the things together. But remember when Scorsese t- took all that shit because they it was the equivalent of asking Hayao Miyazaki what he thought about Demon Slayer. Like they asked Scorsese <laughs> what he thought about Marvel movies, and he's like, I don't really consider them cinema, but they're fine. And people went. Boo! <laughs> They made that exact sound, they too. They did. Like all the of, putties all from, of Twitter. 
all of Twitter went, all of Twitter went, because Scorsese (laughs) shit talked the Marvel universe. No, he didn't. It's just to him. That's not cinema. It's empty calories. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be cinema. It's a different thing. Yes. You sit there. Exactly. One last thing. Uh, one of the things I adore the most about someone cute is she loves reading and will carve out time and our time together to read. Sometimes we just read together, y'all. Lovely. It is. So uh, I bought a bunch of books during I don't know when lockdown. And once I finally put a pin in coin locker, babies, <laughs> I got to start reading. <laughs> got to start reading more fun things like Strange Weather in Tokyo by Hiromi Kawasaki. It's Midnight Diner, the book. <laughs> Oh. It's about a woman who just bumps into an old uh, high school teacher at um, her local bar or izakaya or whatever, and they just kind of start going on outings and developing a friendship because they're both really lonely. That's really nice. And similar to Tokyo Diner, I don't really know anything about the internal lives of these people. They just kind of do things, and things just kind of happen, and it's written very nicely, and it's very relaxing, and it's not coin locker babies, so... <laughs> So I'm amped about that, y'all. Friends, when we come back from this break, I don't know if this is going to be just the thing going forward. Like I said, the show the show is amorphous, and we can change it however we feel and geek down however we feel. But we're continuing to do single-topic episodes about things that are just kind of out there that I see in the universe that maybe we might want to check out. So that's what we're going to do when we come back from this break. We're going to talk about Space Sweepers. A recent addition to Netflix's sci-fi offerings, and we will get into that when we come back from this break. show this is the part of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other or the thing in this case because as we said we are not doing that first thing that we usually do because you know what there's just a lot going on and a lot to juggle and there's a lot out there Mm -hmm. so we're like let's just talk about a thing together because we want to come together as people and as friends and maybe one of us will have brought it to the other maybe maybe or suggested it but it just, um, may, it just may be a single thing for the next little while, y'all. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but we still have rules yeah. because it's not, you know, it's not absolute chaos here. So the first rule is the rule of three, that if the thing comes in episodes or parts, we will consume three of them so the thing gets a chance to become the thing it's trying to become. But this does not apply because it is a movie. The second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. That is, we will not talk about the thing that we are watching or consuming before we're sitting in front of these microphones, which we were successful at. Yes. The third rule, which isn't really a rule, it's more of a policy, is that there will be spoilers. We're going to just spoil the whole thing. So if you're like, oh, I don't like spoilers, or I haven't seen this yet, or, oh, no... You know what you can do. <laughs> you can get the fuck out. But, like, nicely, like, make yourself some tea. Maybe get a pastry from somewhere. Maybe you're spending Valentine's alone, and you know what that means. You can eat as much chocolate as you want, and no one can fucking judge you because <laughs> they can go fuck themselves. Um, and I'm still going to do that anyway, <laughs> even though I have a partner. Caitlin's married, y'all. She's still going to do it. 
I'm I'm that type of person that's like, look, I can fit this whole burrito into my mouth. Like that is that is part of my being. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. So this probably fell in my lap on a like targeted Google review or something or a news story. I think it was a Polygon review that may have dropped uh, may have dropped the name of the the Holy Almighty Cowboy Bebop in comparison, which I don't know is accurate, but there are some things there that maybe we can talk about. And I was like, well, what the hell's that? And then I watched a trailer and went, that looks kind of interesting. Let's investigate that. And that is Space Sweepers. Or Spaceship Victory, as it was literally translated from the Korean. This is a 2021 Space Korean... Space Korean... This is a 2021 South Korean space opera directed by Jo Seung-hee, starring Song Joong-ki, Kim Tae-ri, Jin Seong-kyu, and Yu Hae-jin. Regarded as the first Korean space blockbuster, it was released on Netflix on February 5th, 2021. We are so relevant this week, y'all. So relevant. Um, let's keep it really basic with the synopsis. Uh, after snatching a crashed space shuttle... In the latest debris chase, the spaceship Victory's crew members find a seven-year-old girl inside. They realize she's a human-like robot wanted by UTS space guards and decide to demand a ransom in exchange. This is one of these movies that does not have the greatest uh, tomato meter score, but a very good audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. And I don't know if this is the same... um article as you got but i got sent one that was basically like this movie isn't very good no the polygon review was pretty up on it um okay well let's just let's do a hot take it's doing a lot it has very clear influences which is not necessarily a bad thing um i am calling this movie a noble failure what are you calling this movie caitlin mckinnon um, it was great. It was great. Shit. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah, it was lots of fun. So, the things left out of the brief synopsis I just gave is like, so Earth is an arid wasteland, people are in space, and part of how people are making money in space is cleaning up all the space junk that is up there that's just been collecting for, you know, decades. Um, I say it was 2092 this takes place. Um, yeah, I'm always like, that's too close to our time. <laughs> right. Um, so tons of junk, which is true. There's tons of junk up there right now. And there are these crews on, on, you know, junker ships that are just basically cleaning shit up for money. And there's, you know, the one corporation that's kind of running everything and has built a utopia for people of strong moral fiber who also just happen to be rich built by the UTS Corporation, which is helmed by, what the hell is his name? Something Sullivan? By Sullivan. Yeah. Quaker Dad. (laughs) Quaker Dad. And you have your crew of the Spaceship Victory. And this is where I think the Bebop uh, comparison comes to, because you have Captain Jang, and I'm going to end up uh, calling them what Dorothy calls them. So it's like, Captain Jang, Uncle Tiger, who is like the the engine mechanic, uh, Taeho, who is the pilot who flies the thing, and then Bubs. Bubs. 
a former military droid who has some great scenes just harpooning spaceships. Yeah. Um, well, Kate, what did you think was great about this movie? Um, okay. Well, initially I hated the main characters. And I thought that was really nice because they very they do that in a lot of movies, but they very quickly are like, oh, but they have a heart of gold. We're like, literally, it's like to the end, they're assholes. Like they just are. Yeah. Um, I thought that. Uh, uh, I thought the child was adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's hard because it's great in that. It's a it's a popcorn movie. Like it, I'm not taking any great. There's not. This is not like the most epic story ever. I loved the visuals. They were stunning. I don't. Yeah, I've read where the money came from. Fantastic. I read where the money came from for this movie. I don't know where they get their money from, but they had a lot of it. They. It, it was absolutely stunning. Like one of the best sci-fi films that I've that I've seen. Like just, and that's what actually kept me going because I was like. Uh, like I actually made senior correspondent Chris watch it with me because I was like 10 minutes in and I was like, whoa, I was like, that was fantastic. I'm going to wait to watch it with him. Um, and I liked the evolution of the story. Um, they missed some beats. I felt in explaining some things. Um, I don't know if that was an editing thing. I don't know if there are scenes left on the cutting room floor that would have helped connect some of the dots. Um, I just, I don't know. I liked the story. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it, again, it's not revolutionizing the industry. It's a very, like, the story is pretty, like, it had, like, one twist, which I thought was pretty good, which is near the end. Yeah. Um. Credit to them. I did not, I did not see it coming, because I just expected. Although, yeah. I was like, this is an Asian movie. Everybody going to die. <laughs> like, I thought that's actually was like, what was going to happen. I was happen. like, oh, my God. Like, I kept on thinking, like, what are they going to do about the bomb? But they were basically like, they can't do anything about the bomb. And I was like, that's terrible. I'm like, is this how Firefly started? <laughs> like, this is, I was like, is this the prequel to Firefly? This is where everyone has to leave the solar system. Um. So yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just lots I liked about it, um, and I did like the evolution of the characters. Um, I did like that his there was no like the kind of main character. There's no saving his daughter. He just wanted to like get her body. Mm. Like that is what he wanted. Um, he was holding on to that. Um, that they had already turned from um, being part of, I think it's called the UPC, which is, you know, the rich, wealthy. UTS. Um, UTS, sorry, UTS. Um, uh, they'd already, like, that, it, it wasn't part of the story where someone, like, all, all of a sudden realizes. They've already realized. They've One of them has already been part of a coup a failed coup. Um, and I really liked that um, in the end, it wasn't like everything was great again. They were still sweepers and they still, and they were still, they decided to like refocus their energy on helping earth, but it wasn't like an instantaneous, like everyone is free now. Yeah. Um, so, and Caitlin's alluding to some of the things, some of the narrative details that, when I say I have in my notes here that this movie's trying to do literally everything, um, yeah. <laughs> to its it would have worked. It would have worked better as a miniseries. 
possibly to its detriment. And I think when you said you felt they missed some narrative beats, um, I almost wish they would have missed more. Um, cause I went to this still with the, with the cowboy bebop, you know, comparison front of my mind. And that comparison is mainly coming from the characters where you have these like four people who don't even really like each other. They're just kind of like, no, they're just tolerating each other. Yeah. They're thrown together because they're good at what they do and they can make some money together, but they don't want to spend time with each other. They don't like each other. Um, does that change when an adorable, you know, nine-year-old is brought into their lives? Yes. Um, the thing about Cowboy Bebop is you don't really get the whole world explained to you in Cowboy Bebop. You just get like, there was an explosion when they were building these gates. That's basically it. There are gates between colonies and one of them blew up and shattered the world and, or shattered the moon and earth is a little fucked up now. That's basically what you got. This is trying to explain what happened to Earth and the starting of this um, company that just, like, started owning everything and taking control of everything. And then Sullivan's, like, 180 years old or something, and he does something. He's got the scene with this reporter where he, like, makes him kill a guy to show that he's, like, morally infirm type of thing. And meanwhile, Dorothy isn't an android with a bomb in her. She's a human girl with like nanobots nanobots are the great MacGuffin of this, of this movie. Nanobots are magic. Yes. (laughs) Anytime something happens or you need something explained, nanobots. Um, Nanobots. She's got good nanobots, not the bad nanobots that are out in space, but she can talk to the bad nanobots and make them do good things. Nanobots. Um, she can use her nanobots to re essentially like, the uh, tiger has this like tomato plant and she like, you know, brings it back to life type of thing. She could be used to re-terraform the earth. seems like a big job for one nine-year-old, but yada, yada. Um, but for some reason, UTS wants to like, earth is very last season. We want to focus on Mars. We want to make Mars happen. Let's get our total recall on. Like, this is the thing we want to be doing. Um, so she's got to go. So they don't want to like, they want to kill her basically because she can like, it's going to, this is where I start to lose the plot a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, you and me both. I was just like, I was like, they could have refined this story a little bit better, but I had so much fun being there. I was like, it's fine. It's just like fifth <laughs> element. Like there's so many parts of fifth <laughs> element that I'm like, that's, this is a huge loophole. That's like, the one. That's the one. It's not Cowboy Bebop. There's a lot of fifth element vibes oh, going on here yeah a, a lot a lot um they just they just don't have the aliens that's kate. like the only part kate yeah i don't know if you know this what? but the uh the fifth element yeah it's love kate it's love the fifth element is love hey the nanobots are love <gasps> they're controlled by love air is the fifth element <laughs> um yeah so yeah there's a bunch of stuff and like he has nanobots in him? I guess. He kept, like, having... <laughs> right? He kept having weird moments where, like, his veins would, like... <laughs> like, I, yeah, don't, I don't I, know. I don't know. I, like, they never explain that, which I'm like, I guess that's fine, but you explain just so much about him. You think someone would have mentioned it. I mean, the only... that One of his best scenes was when he got really mad and everybody in the conference room looked down. Because <laughs> that's what you do when someone has a freak out. You don't, like, confront them. You just, like, look away and, like, drink your coffee. 
one other thing. Also, sorry. I'm sorry, the robot being wanting to be a, a lady, I thought that was masterful. Yes, and I wanna I'll get to that in a moment, because one other thing I do want to talk about is this is really has really gone out of its way to be a fully international like yes. film. And that is another thing that I loved. And I loved it. There's even a Canadian guy. There is There's a Canadian never guy. a Canadian guy. He's got like a roots jacket on and a moose pipe <laughs> pinned up to his I mean he's the most Canadian the cockpit, guy. But it's like it's like when uh, JJ was in Yuri on Ice, like yeah. Although he at least flipped the script because he was really arrogant. Um, but I appreciate that attempt. But at the same time, that means if you're a Korean production trying to like, this isn't going to be like when they got Matt Damon and to be in, you know, the Great Wall or whatever. You're kind of making do with whoever's around. And a lot of the English speaking actors, <laughs> n- n- <laughs> not, yeah. there's a clear mark between like the crew of the victory <laughs> And the English-speaking actors. Except for the French guy. <laughs> um, that was funny. But, like, I, I was texting someone cute while I was watching it, and I was like, I'm pretty sure in the last two minutes I've heard Korean, Tagalog, French, Spanish, and, like, Korean. Like, all all at the same time. Like, because they all have translators, but they're all speaking their, like, original languages. Um, And I really appreciate that as attempt. And it's like, this is, a, like how would you even put pour more money into this? But like, if you really, really went at it with like higher, you know, not direct to video actors, no shots to anyone involved in this movie, but like, you know, it can be done and it wasn't a big thing. Nobody made a big deal about it. It's just, everybody came from different places and they have, you know, translators in their ears so they can understand. And it's not a big deal. One guy speaks Korean, the other guy speaks French and they both understand each other. Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, um, uh, that is actually one of my biggest problems with any movie, like Marvel, any like any big movie. I'm like, so you're telling me there are no other superheroes from any other country? <laughs> like, so far, we've only got one from Wakanda, <laughs> like two from Sokovia. Like, they nowhere, not even a Canadian one? Like, there's not... Anywhere? Uh, South America? Like, not a single one from anywhere else? Um, but this, yeah. I, I know what you mean about the acting. Yeah, it wasn't, a, it wasn't on par with the Korean actors. But I, I really appreciate that they did that. Because so many space films are like, we're all American. Right. I was like, that does not make any sense. Or like, we all have translators, but the default is English, right? Like, Yeah, even in Star Trek. Yeah. I'm always like, how? What? <laughs> um. But again, I it, it does lead to some kind of tonal mm, irregularities <laughs> at times when like the the caliber of acting isn't as as good between you know the people on your screen. But it's as you modulate your expectations watching this thing, you know, going into it and being like, okay, it's a little pulpier than maybe we were expecting. Then that's you know you get a little more forgiving. Kate mentioned Bubs about a third through the movie as uh Cottenham, who is what Dorothy's actual name is, um, is ingratiating herself with members of the crew. Um Bubs is like doing her makeup. This is mainly exposition for primarily Teho and like what happened with his daughter and his life and that that sort of thing, how his daughter died. Um 
and Cottonham calls Bubs, who you have assumed up to this point is just like, he's got kind of like a masculine voice, or she rather has a kind of a masculine voice, and Cottonham immediately refers to her with, um, like, Uni, I think, like, you know, the, the sister, the Korean word for sister, and <laughs> Bubs' design is very dope as well. Like mm-hmm. the little light up portions. It's like what was that what was that dude in Borderlands <laughs> where shit would happen yeah. on his face? Yeah. There's a bit of that where like, you know, there are there are red lights in the cheeks, so when she blushes. And yes, by the all what she wants is, you know, you can apparently get skin grafts and things like that for droids and stuff. So by the end of the movie <laughs> when this like I'm conflating cultures, but when this, you know, very kawaii Korean girl is, like, threatening a dude over some, like, gambling losses, <laughs> you're like, oh, Bob's got skin crafts. <laughs> yes. The, the, the thing is that you find out, and and actually there's a flicker of it earlier when uh, Bubs is going through skin grafts before they find um, the little girl. Um, uh, there are, it's female skin grafts, right? Oh, but you think maybe... Yeah, that it's like a it's less than a second, um, and then you find out yes that Bubs sees themselves like is a woman, um, and would like to look and sound like a woman, but no one knows because it's got this very masculine voice, um, and a hulking robot figure. Yes. Um, and by the end, yeah, and she there's even a scene where there she wants to pick out voices, mm. and. Um, the little girl is like, oh, I like your voice how it is now. And she's like, yeah, but I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> so let's just pick one, um, which I thought was a really nice scene. Um, yeah, and I thought they did it really, really well. And, I mean, I can, I can shit on for, like, you know, putting everything on with a bow and, like, you know, happy endings for everybody. But, like, I assumed going into this that none that not all of them were going to make it out. And there were definitely times throughout where I legitimately thought Tiger was going to be the one to go down. I thought Bubs was going down. Like I did not think all four of them were going to make it through the movie. So even though it was so the like fact at the end that you, they realize that they, what they've done, is they've actually switched the child and the hydrogen bomb. Yes. And, and, Lord, and Lord Sullivan to chase them because yeah. basically Sullivan wants to blow up this thing. That's going to drop on the earth. And basically that's a wrap for earth. Um, yeah. And, it seems unstoppable and Dorothy's the only one who can like stop it. So he wants her. And, but what they've done, if they swap Dorothy and the bomb, yes. And Ward Sullivan away from this thing. So the thing is now not going to blow up and they are like, well, we're out and we're going to blow him up too. And earth will be okay. And I was like, and I was totally like, Oh, they've, they've ended it. But then Dorothy, of course was like, nanobots. Hey, nanobots. But there's so many, there's things that like don't make sense with that. But anyways, it doesn't matter because magic and it's a fun ride. And you get this happy ending. I mean, sure. Her father is murdered in front of her, <laughs> but she has all her aunts and uncles and they're going to take care of her. And there's like, that uh, Tiger Uncle is like, and all those other moms have their kids in like special classes. I thought that was very funny. I, um, like, I, I really like sweet fun ending. Yes, and I like the line where it's like, you know, Uncle Tiger got his tattoos removed so he doesn't scare my friends, and every so often I go down and make a tree. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure, that's great. Um, and you know what? That's actually something I liked about it as well because there are so many films that are especially space films and space shows that are all about like horrible conditions and not Star Trek. They're the opposite of Star Trek. 
um, that there's no hope and there's no happy ending and it's very dismal. And I'm like, we don't need any more of that. Let's have some fun space romps. And I mean, Let's have like, some, yeah, you know what? Fifth element is love. Like, <laughs> We need a little bit more to that these days. Like Kate said, by the end of it, they're still hauling trash, but they're doing a little bit better because they seem to be, be, you know, they're kind of taken care of a little more because they're, you know, Dorothy's, you know, guardians. Um, so you know, they have they got nicer clothes. He's got fancy shoes now. Yeah, <laughs> it's big, like, it was like big thing throughout nine his pairs shoes. Of shoes. Yeah. And event, you know, they'll, they'll come and uh, take Dorothy to go make some trees, and uh, they have a much nicer ship, and Bubs has got skin grafts, and everybody's happy, and Earth is not, like, 100 OP, but it's, you know, Earth's on the come up again. they refocus their efforts. Also, big point in, like, science fiction and stuff, like, trying to fix Earth is a lot easier than starting Mars from scratch. <laughs> Just putting that out there. He didn't want, he wanted Mars. Why? I don't know, but but (laughs) the movie doesn't tell you. If you're making a sci-fi film, like, just keep that in mind. Saving Earth is much easier than starting Mars from scratch. So it's too long. It's kind of messy in spots, but it was still kind of fun. And And there was also a lot of things. I didn't know everything. Like, yeah, I'm really good with story beats. I have the power of narrative, but I, there were still things that I didn't know what was going to happen or I didn't know the full story or I guessed wrong in such situ- in certain situations. Like there, it was nice. It was fun. It was good. And never, never underestimate the power of an Asian seven-year-old to just oh my God. punch you, hurt. punch you in the field. You know, you've called her nine, 10, seven. I'm con- How old is she? I'm conflating. Cotton M is like nine. Uh, Tejo's daughter is like six or seven. Oh yeah. She was so sweet. Oh my God. When she was trying to get his attention in like the gambling den to like, Show the poem she wrote. Oh my god! Uh. And then also, like, she gets a fucking you. There, you know, she is not alive. Like, she gets blown yeah, away. That was a tough hang. Um, so I don't. I feel like the de facto grade for something like this is a seven. But if it was a half hour shorter, I probably would have given it an eight. Um, oh, there you go. Like I said, I said at the top, it's a noble failure, but it's a very noble failure. Like, it does not work as, I think it, I think the critic score it has is correct. I think the idea of it not being a good movie is correct, but I don't know. I was able to, you just like Asian shit, Jordan. Yeah, maybe, but it was like, I had not seen this world before. I go into a Marvel shit, and yeah, it's empty calories, but I come from 30 years of reading comics, so... That's known to me. This was not known to me. I was going into something new that I hadn't seen before. And I enjoyed it. And now it's gone. So it's sticking with me more. So, eh, fuck it. I'll give it an 8. Woo! I give it an 8 just because it was a good time. And I feel like sometimes we just need good time movies. Right? Like, it's better than Dante's Peak. <laughs> this is not and this it, is not a crap-a-rama selection. If I if I had no. it's not a crapathon selection. If I had seen this on my own, I would not have brought it to you in November. Like this is Yeah. This it's a it's it's a fun, good film. Like there's nothing horribly wrong with this film, except maybe some of the plot points don't make any sense. It's just it's, it, it's just really ambitious and it boosts some of the execution. That's listen, I'll but, take that. But it's beat beautiful and it's a fun watch and it, like a great just have some popcorn put some peanut m&ms in that popcorn wait till it's a little bit melty perfect 
She got it all worked out. Y'all friends, what are you putting in your popcorn? Let us know on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. I don't know that I'm putting anything in my popcorn right now because I'm trying not to eat like an asshole lately. That's no fun. No. <laughs> your man's was getting mad snacky lately as the winter hit. You got to put a pin in that. It is rice cake season back in here, y'all. <laughs> Woo! Well, friends, I got to go uh, pick up a little something for, uh, for you know, Valentine's Day for somebody cute. Got a little errand to run. I, we don't celebrate Valentine's Day, um, but our anniversary is on family day and we have some Lego to build. Oh, what are we building? Yeah, we have, a, we are building a Y-wing. A what? A Y-wing. Girl, what's that? It's, it's a spaceship from Star Wars. It's fine. <laughs> oh, a Y-wing? Yeah, a Y-wing. <laughs> it sounded like you are saying Y-wing. I though. can't, an- I can't enunciate it any better. Well, friends, as you can see, we have a very packed schedule for the remainder of our day. So I think we're going to uh, take our leave right now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us every week, friends. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another fan-fucking-tastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Goddamn. Goddamn. born right here <laughs> right in the dot what's the dot that's wednesday or march <laughs> or never i cut all that